Get a rare view into the human side of wealth management leaders, innovators, and influencers with the Big Reveal podcast from Suzanne Syracuse in partnership with InvestNet. Tune in and subscribe to find out why she calls it the Big Reveal. Hola, listeners. Welcome to the Adventure Seed Podcast, a random roller podcast where every show is different. I'm Heather, and Whitney is also here with us today. We rolled a killer adventure out of 20 possibilities, and we also rolled interesting drinks. Today, we're discussing Lady Killer, Volume 1, Issues 1 through 5, by writer-artist Joelle Jones and Jamie S. Rich. I am drinking a hard sweet tea, which is perfect for the story, I might add. And Heather has an icy, actually it's a sharky because the icy machine was broken, but that's okay. <laughs> so stick around and see what chaos we come up with today. And we are really starting to get a hang of this music thing. What do you all think? <laughs> So, Lady Killer. Lady Killer. Um, I was really hesitant about reading this just because it seemed on the outside anything and everything I would not like in a comic series. And you were so upset with me. I could <laughs> see it on your face when I picked this. I was like, I was like, oh, fine. And you're like, Whitney, you don't usually pick out stuff like that. I'm very disappointed in you as a lady. <laughs> um, but. Winnie managed to sell me on this just telling me to flip through the pages because she knows what an art fiend I am. And as soon as I opened this up, it took me back to like Sunday mornings, getting the Sunday paper and like ripping the comic strips out before my parents could say anything about it and like hauling butt to my bedroom to read the Sunday funnies because the art style in this is very reminiscent of the Rex Morgan MD series from the Sunday Funny Comic Strips. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. So if you like Sunday Funnies and miss having those in your life, this book is for you. Yeah, it's really, um, it's not necessarily that it's funny, but it's very witty, um, if I do say mm -hmm. so myself as a Whitney. It's very, very witty. It's um, the the writer is is great. It's fantastic. I can't believe that she came up with all of this. It's so cool. Well, and like what always impressed me as a kid, like, yeah, they're called the sunny Sunday funny papers, but like they would like, if you take peanuts, for example, the depth of life lessons peanuts gives you through those little tiny children, mm -hmm. um, is so remarkable in the, what, like six to eight panels they do it in. Um, and, and then you had Kathy that like, Everyone that's ever worked in an office situation or been a woman in their middle ages like identifies oh, with Kathy. Mm -hmm. um, I identify with her more and more every every birthday that I have. <laughs> we all oh. understand the frustrations of Dilbert. Absolutely. Um, Rex Morgan was was one of the comics that I often skipped over just because it it didn't have anything very interesting for me as a kid. Mm -hmm. But like the art was always in front of me, and I enjoyed looking at the pictures. It was so dramatic, and yes. like it felt very risque and very film noir. I, when I once 
I was like 10 to 12 years old, I felt like I was getting away with something naughty by reading it because it looked so adult. It did. Um, (laughs) And so like looking at the pages of Lady Killer, just the, the way the characters are drawn and even some of the content that they cover, like Lady Killer has some hysterical moments in it. But it's definitely dealing with like really deep issues of gender roles and identity um, that I think are really exciting to explore, but it's doing it in this super fun comic way. Yeah, she takes those typical tropes from that time period, the 50s, 60s, and made it very approachable and like hid. Like, you have to read between the lines on mm-hmm. everything, but if you do read between the lines, mm-hmm. you get a really fun and interesting story. Um, the introduction to because we we have been um, we've been rolling a lot of graphic novels and comics lately, mm-hmm. uh, so I hope you all are into that. <laughs> well, and, and for those of you that like something different, we are still working our way through Tom Farmer's novel Scourge of the Gods. Yes, so that's uh, going to be a future. It's show. just a longer read, so we're wanting to bring you content on the in between as we work our way through a long novel. We didn't want you all to go months and months without uh, something to listen to. Absolutely. Um, hopefully it won't take us months, but like when I was a kid, I could read a book in a day and I still could technically today. Mm -hmm. I just, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's like, I don't know, but there's so many people in our generation who talk about not being able to read a full length novel quickly anymore. I think part of it has to do with the fact that we're all adults now. Like, when we used to get out of school, we could close ourselves in our room and didn't have to come out till dinner time. It's true. And now we have to, like, maintain relationships and Go do jobs. things and be adults. <laughs> Social <laughs> gatherings. Not anymore because, like, coronavirus. But. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of, like, reading and books and stuff, the introduction to Lady Killer, this graphic novel, it's issues one through five if you are a single issue person. Um, but the introduction for the graphic novel... Uh, is by an author by the name of Chelsea Kane. And Chelsea Kane writes um, best-selling, New York Times best-selling um, Archie Sheridan thriller series, uh, which includes titles like Heart Sick, Sweetheart, Evil Heart, The Night Season, Kill You Twice, and Let Me Go. Stephen King has repeatedly named some of her books as books mm-hmm. to read and look out for. And NPR um, has named it as one of the best 100 thrillers ever written of of all time. So her introduction is wicked. I love Mm -hmm. it. It's so amazing. And if you have a minute to talk about the introduction, because a lot of single issue people don't get to see this extra flavor text. Mm -hmm. So let's let's, let's touch on that for a minute. Because the definition, uh, like, lady killers are not typical. We don't have a lot of real-life serial killers, which are ladies. Right. And And if we do, they usually go by a lot longer undetected because it's harder to trace their murder methods. Absolutely. And because of poison or Mm -hmm. they're doing stuff to people that they know. It's not usually strangers, um, as Chelsea Kane pointed out. And it's it's just... It's very interesting that this... um, that Joel Jones and Jamie Rich wanted to show the the dirty side mm-hmm. of being a serial killer. And like on the cover of it of the first issue as well, I believe this is the cover for the first issue, you've got this, you know, mop bucket full of blood and there's blood splatter everywhere. And the opening scene is an like she takes the Avon lady trope mm-hmm. and 
It's it's awesome. I have never understood why my grandmother trusted random stranger Avon ladies to come into her house and sell her stuff. And this book confirmed all of my fears about that. <laughs> Absolutely. And as a person in college who sold Avon, my rep all the time was like, just go knock on doors. And I'm like, do you want me to get murdered? I know. No one's going to let me into their house. Like, I'll set up a booth <laughs> on campus, but I'm not no. knocking on doors. And I mean, and I've been a Tupperware lady. Mm-hmm. I've sold I've sold all kinds of stuff. I've yeah. sold Pampered Chef. I've, I've sold things, but... I didn't ever, like, I. all of my contacts and parties were through people I knew. Mm-hmm. So it was never, like, a complete random stranger. Right. Which lady killers are often killing people that they know, so right. that's not really very viable at this point. Maybe I that's guess. why she thought knocking on doors was still safe in the year 2013. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so Chelsea Kane mentions that, you know, like, it, it's it's not, that's not typical. Mm-hmm. So in her own books, and like Joelle Jones in, in this book, they they have women who kill like air quote men mm-hmm. and i love it i love i love the brutality of it i love that she's not afraid that they have the power to do it <laughs> and i think that that's really cool like eileen wernos we were talking about this before the mm-hmm. show is is one of our modern day serial killers who i mean she killed people with a gun i mean she just pew pewed them right and it's that's not poison that's not typical, that's not for typical. A lady killer. no absolutely not so it was it was funny in the beginning of this book, the first attempt that she made on anyone's life was by poison. Mm-hmm. And that did not go well for her. No. <laughs> so but back um, to the blood. And we learned very quickly after that scene that she, like, it wasn't like it was a botched attempt because she's inexperienced. Like, she has done this job for a long time. Mm-hmm. So for her to have a botched attempt at all. It was those darn dogs. It was. <laughs> um, but what I also love is the number of times her handler for lack of a better word her assignment giver it is her handler yeah um like he often tells her like we're putting you on this assignment because we need that special touch like there was there was that idea that a lady killer could accomplish something in a delicate situation that a male serial killer or serial assassin agent would just totally mess up well and it's interesting that you use the word delicate um, we're kind of mixing some of... We're talking about the intro throughout the mm-hmm. book because I think that even though it's an introduction, I feel like it goes very much in line with mm-hmm. the way that the book reads. And he calls her delicate at one point because yes. of, of a vulgar right. thing that he said, mm-hmm. uh, sexual in nature. He's talking to a married woman in the 60s. I'm assuming 60s. Maybe 50s. Um, oh, we well, know it's the it World's is. Fair. We know what it is, the World's Fair. I Googled yeah, it. Yeah, it's uh, 1962. Happened. Oh, good call. Yep. Good call. Um but so so it's the 60s and he's talking about and he and she like makes a face because like i don't want some dude like talking to me vulgarly that mm-hmm. has nothing to do with my delicate nature i'm a warrior princess but mm-hmm. i don't i don't like i don't like right. that he said well, she that. had appearances to keep up like yeah absolutely and so like i i do find it interesting that they call her delicate for that but she's literally covered in blood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's the one who does the stabby stabby. no qualms about murdering people. And he can get, she's the one who can get to the guy who has 10 dudes around him all the time when mm-hmm. all the male dudes can't do this. Yeah. And so Chelsea Kane says, you know, women are bleeding all the time. We're not afraid of blood. We've caught vomit in our hands. We've got, we've got, you know, we took care of bloody siblings when we were mm-hmm. younger. We menstruate. We have all of this. We're like we're tougher for it. We don't. Well, we're not squeamish of blood for the most part. Even historically, women are the ones on the front lines of battle tending wounds, whereas warriors are the ones getting them. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so, I mean, we've, we have never been a society that thinks that blood and gore is too sensitive for women to deal with. Well, societally, yes, I do think we are. We are, like, our pop culture has consistently made women to be weak and appear mm-hmm. weak. Well, true. The perception is that they're mm-hmm. too weak, but the reality is we put them in these situations continually. Absolutely. And I think that's why I like Lady Killer so much. And why I really wanted to read it is because it shows that that's what society thinks. It Mm -hmm. repeatedly shows the men in this book underestimating her, Mm -hmm. underestimating the women in their lives. And the women are just like, I'm just going to keep doing my stuff behind the scenes and you'll never even know. Like you were talking about her husband. Mm Mm-hmm. Like throughout the book. (laughs) I love the tropes attached to her husband's character. And he is, he is a good husband from what we have seen. Mm-hmm. He's, he's very, he very much fits into his gender role of, of earning the money and bringing home the bacon for the family. And he's home at night to, to be with the family and the children and his wife. And he doesn't get angry at her when she doesn't have dinner, quote unquote, right. on the table. He's understanding he that she mm-hmm. has stuff that happens in her day too. Um, he's very encouraging when she says, oh, I'm going to go step out to talk to the neighbor and totally trusts that she's talking to the neighbor when really she's talking to her handler about mm-hmm. her next assignment. Um, but he is also so delusionally clueless. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's interesting that, because, you know, you, you have this concept, and we, we have it in our, in our world even today. I've, I've noticed this the more I get into my marital relationship and, and the dynamics between being a mother versus my husband being a father. Um, sometimes I have been guilty of saying, well, my husband just has no idea what I have to deal with during the day. Or he'll come home and say, well, you just have no idea how hard my job is. And whether it's true or not, our perception is there. Right. And so I think for them to have put this in the book shows us how wide that perception may be, whether it's true or not. That There is this belief that like husbands really don't know how hard their wife's day is or what their wife does, especially if they're a stay-at-home mother, because they don't have to deal with it. Right. Um, and he just, he falls in line and does his husbandly duties, and that's good enough for him. Right. Um, whether it's the actuality of the relationship or not, but we have that stereotype perpetuated over and over again, and I've found myself, like, verbally falling into it. Well, and it's easy to do. Like, mm-hmm. like it, there's so many minor minor things macro things that we say day to day that people that like little judgments that pass Mm -hmm. that person doesn't look like they'd be wearing a mask i'm surprised to see they're wearing a mask right that person doesn't look like they'd be nice to their kids and look at them pushing their kids on the swing set Mm -hmm. like all these weird perceptions like you were saying and and we just it like this book kind of highlights them yeah like it shows it shows the female as the cats as the felines Mm -hmm. it shows the males as the dogs Mm -hmm. down each each time like her husband has is always shown with the family dog the little boy that is one of her targets is pictured in front of a sad-eyed puppy dog Mm -hmm. frame in the background um you you consistently see like every time that you see a dog in the thing it's 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 tied associated with a male and then she she is 
she is drawn with very feline features, mm-hmm. um, very much like um, like a mountain lion almost. She's got yeah. she's she's very muscular. And she, she but even has like the cat eye, not mm-hmm. not the irises obviously, but like that. But they're green. They're they're green like a cat, and she has the the cat eye eye eyelashes coming out from Absolutely. the side and. And then, the, and then it, it's supposed to be a spoof of the Playboy Club, but it's the Kitten Club, you yeah. know? So, like, it, it outright what compares I her really, to a cat. The more we're talking about it, I wanted to go back and look and see what kind of dog the family has. And when I just It's like looked, a hound dog, it, like a blue tick hound kind of. It's like a hound dog or even maybe, like, a Great I think it's Dane a red because it's so big. I think it's a red, uh, red tick hound. Either way, it's like a work dog. Yeah. And a hunting dog. A hunting dog. Yeah. Um, which like fits her lifestyle very well. I know it's really like all these little details mm-hmm. and Easter eggs that she's stuck in is brilliant. Yeah, but those dogs are also like categorically known for their their loyalty and their mm-hmm. ability to follow directions Absolutely. and to trust their owners' judgment calls. And her husband is so trusting of her to mm-hmm. be always paired in the panel with that dog. I agree. Um. I I really like how so right off the bat like like I was saying about the little Easter eggs there's a lot of nods so Stephen King um, Stephen King was brought up in the introduction and mm-hmm. if you notice I don't know if you've watched The Shining or not but the wallpaper in the first scene is very reminiscent of the mm-hmm. carpet from The Shining it is um, so I, I liked that little nod and I like I like all the different you know the plumber like. Peck is it shows up as a plumber and he's got mm-hmm. his the little wrench and just like it's like an old 1960s you know porno film like, I was, I I was going to be honest so like when funny. I saw him show put the wrench I was like this is about to get giggity up I know, in here I know but that's not where it went uh, <laughs> and she scolded him when he tried it, well and that's where the the delicate scene oh, yeah. I forgot you're delicate no 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 yeah and then the, the uh, like it's just it's just interesting all the little little tidbits. So mm-hmm. like what tidbits have you all seen in the background of this graphic novel or issues that you've read? Um, I'd like to know if you can tell me one of your your little weird uh, background things. Um, right down to so. Like the Felix the Cat clock, like they're in the kitchen. Oh, yeah. There's like the little Felix the Cat, and like you were talking about how the art style itself, and part of what I've written down as kind of an Easter egg, is like the lines <laughs> and the blurs in the art. Sorry about the dog, guys. Uh, we're recording at my house, and yeah. our associate is wanting to join <laughs> in and give his two. He cents. has opinions <laughs> about the dogs in this novel. He would like to make sure his species is adequately represented. Absolutely. So I hope you understood what he was trying to say to you all. <laughs> Um, but like, so, and, and the dogs, the dogs are in, in the, the front of the movie too, mm-hmm. or the front of the book as well. Um, and like with all the bloody paw prints yeah. and stuff, but, um, back, so like it, it just, the art does appear very vintagey. You've got the blurred lines, you've got the spots, like the, the agingness of the film, if mm-hmm. you will. Um, there's very little, uh, minority representation in the book. The, the two... The two, uh, which would make sense for it to be the early sixties, depending on. Yeah, but see, that's kind segregation, of an issue. Segregation was still a thing back then. I understand. However, there were there are ways the author could have done more to work it in. I agree, and that and that's kind of the point that I'm making mm-hmm. is because uh, you know in the club scene at the kitten club, there's there's no minorities. The two minorities that are represented, one of them is an associate, like an, a killer, mm-hmm. uh, with her. Um, 
are in the and same group. And this then is her, taking place in Washington State, correct? Um, Did I this is in that? C, uh, Seattle. Seattle, so yeah. Washington State. Yeah. I don't know that Jim Crow laws extended that far out. Well, when when was... This is 1962. Yeah. But, like, it's the World's Fair, and if you look in the crowd, there are no minorities. Yeah, that's true. Usually you know, people from other countries would have been represented there. Yeah, I mean, like, there are German people in this because she, you know, her mother-in-law mother is, and she sees somebody from the war, and and she knows he's a bad man, and, like, that whole scene, mm-hmm. like, I don't want to jump the shark on that, but that was right. really cool about her, like, her confrontation with her mother-in-law at the end of the book. That was pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. But, like, I do, I do wish... That's kind of, like, my only thing. Like, I, I, I like to look at the background of, of all the stories that I'm watching or reading. Mm-hmm. And that's just something that... You're much more of a background noticer than I am. Because until you said that, I didn't... I Like, I didn't even consider... Yeah. Well, and it just kind of bothered me a little bit because mm-hmm. it is the World's Fair. Right. And I don't know. Like, I love all the rest of the tropes. I love the, the power of the female warrior here mm-hmm. in, the, in these novels while she's still very... Like, she's still ladylike. And I love that. But she she doesn't hold on to the typical tropes. Yeah. And it just... It kind of... Like, I, I that just left me a little wanting. Yeah. I think that's really kind of my only complaint about Lady Killer, though. I really enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. I love all the vintage um, nods. I love the... Ooh, I don't know what that ding was. Um, I love the image um, of the first killing scene where she's like, oopsie, did I do that? You know, and she's Mm -hmm. all cutesy about it. One of my favorite things in this graphic novel, which probably did not show up in the issues it might have, at the end of one of them but the authors put their sketchbook in here and they have all of these really fun old-timey advertisements that you would have seen like in magazine spreads yeah that they made up for this character yeah and i think some of them are like like just so beautifully cheesy like one of my favorites it has the um bolt handgun and it says get mother what she really wants this christmas but it's like this picture of her like just casually holding out this like very large firearm and there's a little heart tag hanging yeah. from the silencer <laughs> <laughs> um i really like the um the one where she's, she's sitting in a pile of blood and she's reading the cleaning bible like oh, it's an etiquette yeah. book like i love that yeah they've got it's really cool and some of them are a lot darker um my my favorite dark one is the arsenic ad and it says he'll never complain that his dinner is late again (laughs) yeah and it just shows like this super grumpy man in the background behind her and she has this like wicked smirk on her face as she's finally carrying him his hot plate and it's obviously late yeah well, uh, and then, so the variant covers are shown here mm-hmm. as well, and those are cool, like the, the coloring of the variant covers. Yes. And that ECCC variant cover by Nick uh, Filardi, the colors by Nick Filardi, yes. is amazing. The Seattle, I, I love, like, in Flight of the Concords, you know, in the New Zealand office, they've mm-hmm. always got different posters in the background, like oh, New yeah. Zealand rocks, and it's pictures of the rocks at New Zealand and mm-hmm. stuff like it's just cute, cheesy stuff. Yeah. So, like, I love the fact that there's a welcome to Seattle, um, World's Fair mm-hmm. needle type advertisement in the yes. book. I think that's cute. 
But yeah, like uh, I just, I really, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I would definitely give this like uh, probably an eight out of ten. Okay. And the only reason I even go that low is again just because the representation. I, I feel like there could have been, there were moments where they could have done that mm-hmm. better. Um, and the two, you know, um, Asian ladies that are in the are book, very tropey Asian. Well, they're very pale. Yeah. So you know, like that that. That bothered me a little bit. Well, and even their dialogue is like, I don't even like this term, but it it best describes what I'm trying to say. And there's a TV show by this name now, so maybe it's being reclaimed. I don't know how reclaiming works. I don't get to reclaim anything. Yeah. Um, But the fresh off the boat idea, Mm -hmm. like their language is very like, they just got here yesterday. Right. Um, and well, the, the, the younger one, the not younger as one less so, um, because she is, you know, a, an assassin, mm-hmm. you know, a trained assassin that goes out outside of her day job, but definitely I, I and it never insinuates the relationship between the two women. So no. I don't know if there is any relation, if it is a family restaurant or not, but it just, you know, I don't, it just was, I don't know. Yeah. That's, that's the only thing. Other than that, I do give it an eight out of 10. Um, she isn't a monster. She can do monstrous things to monsters. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't look at her sideways. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> what are your thoughts? Um, just because this book is not my typical cup of tea reading, mm-hmm. um, I was very surprised by how well I liked it. But I would probably give this like a 7.5. Mm-hmm. Only because it's it's not my not my preference. What the author does do, they do very well. Right. But there were places I found myself wanting a little bit more. Like, and maybe we'll get that more in other episodes. Like, there's another scene where we see this older man taking out a hit on on two people and and performing that hit. But I was just really confused all the way through those pages about why and what's going on and. Yeah, that that is a little um, that one is a little weird deviation, and he is he is brought back up at the very end mm-hmm. of the book with the mother-in-law. Right. So maybe in the next issue we would learn more about him. Yeah. But I do love that feisty little redhead with her knee on the old dude's back. The dog. There was just so many interesting things happening in that apartment. Yeah. That that side panel, the side cut of that apartment complex. It's on page one hundred in the graphic novel. If any of you want to know what we're talking about. Yeah. It's it's amazing um what issue is that i think that's issue Issue three uh issue four four okay like the last three pages of issue four well and and so in issue four is also where they use the word pederast which has some um cultural connotation Mm -hmm. to it um a pederast is the romantic relationship between an adult male and a teen or adolescent male Mm -hmm. um and she also calls them you know undesirables so you know i understand that you can say that but there's not like there was no representation so that feels a little eh, yeah it's also in that issue for um i do love the fact that they include the world's fair because Mm -hmm. since we are housed out of knoxville tennessee we had the world's fair here Mm -hmm. in 1982 and of course, we all know about Chicago's in 1893, mm-hmm. and then Seattle was in 1962. I'm sure there were other ones here in the mm-hmm. states, but I just those three are just usually pretty dominant, and it does show you quite a bit of that kind of like behind the scenes yeah. of that. 
um, and at the in the last issue in issue five. So that was kind of cool. Um, there's a Simpson episode of the World's Fair Park uh, with the wig. They call it the wig shop. Oh really? Yeah. So that's you cool. all need to find that episode about Knoxville, Tennessee. It's kind of cute. Uh, but that's that that was my introduction to the Simpsons. <laughs> nice. So um, I think that kind of wraps us up for Lady Killer. Uh, I hope that you all enjoyed it as much as we did. Mm-hmm. And um, we have some local news, speaking of Knoxville, mm-hmm. Scruffy City, that we would like to share. And I think, Heather, you, um, you are very excited and passionate about I'm this. I'm super excited. So one of our local restaurants is run by a Syrian immigrant named Yasin. And he has been... A fabulous member of our Knoxville community for a very long time. Uh, anytime there has been something happen, his his company, his shop has stepped up to volunteer and provide food. Um, most recently when Nashville had a bad series of tornadoes, his company just packed up portable kitchen stuff and drove to Nashville and fed um, hundreds of meals. Hundreds of meals to rescue workers, to displaced families. And he doesn't hesitate to do that for anybody. And um, this week it was announced on the media that Yasin has completed all of his citizenship things. And, and he is officially. officially is a citizen of the United States. Boop, boop. So um, shout out to Yasin. Absolutely. Uh, because that is not an easy process to go through. And he, he was fairly open about the process, saying that there were several instances where his lawyer, his immigration lawyer, really had to step up and work for that. And if an absolutely outstanding, kind, giving member of the community has such a hard time, quote, doing it the legal way, I can only imagine how much harder it is for the typical average person. Well, I mean, he's won national awards. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was in... Um, is it a America? The Good... The Digest. The, what is that? Reader's, Reader's Digest. Digest. Not nicest nicest business I thought that was Good Morning America that did that one but which yeah nicest business oh, in the country be. well I mean Good Morning America had him on oh, but I think okay. it was because they, they the won Reader's the Reader's Digest, Digest okay. award or so, I don't remember what award I don't remember but he's won multiple awards it. now yeah for his kindness and mm-hmm. like he does the hashtag um, all we need is love and falafel or something mm-hmm. it's super cute um, but he's just he is so kind and he, um, he is the the walking definition of of kindness Mm -hmm. and true love unconditional love from your heart right well and he he fled from syria because it it's not a good situation over there he still is and and he and his wife came here with their very young son and um one of the things because unfortunately here in the south we we have a very not that it's unfortunate our predominant religion down here is christianity but what is unfortunate is that we are often not exposed to other faiths. Well, and the, the exposure of other faiths is met with a lot of um, disdain. Like mm-hmm. If you aren't Christian, you're not a, you're not a good person. Right. Just bottom line. And so Yasin's family is Muslim. I'm not sure how practicing they are. I've never bothered to quiz them about it. But, but they are. But they are, they are very good Muslims. And, and to listen to other people in the Muslim community talk about that family, they are fantastic members of that community as well like all other things that they do and what has always stood out to me most in Yasin's business like when you first walk in there's that big mural wall 
and it tells you that like everyone's welcome and it lists like all colors all creeds all people all beliefs like everyone Mm -hmm. and i don't see that in a lot of christian companies around here no absolutely not um so we definitely want to congratulate him uh get you some falafel donate buy some merch they sell that that creed on a t-shirt and something else i can't remember like a tote bag or something Yeah. yeah So definitely check them out. We we really appreciate them and love them and yeah. their family. And they have two locations, one in downtown Knoxville, if you like parking and walking and seeing cool city sites. And then they have one in Cedar Bluff, if you don't like walking and want to just get out of your car yeah. and go into a restaurant. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Let's do some rolling. You want to yes. roll up? I'm going to choose this roll nice purpley dice again. It served me well last time. All right, girl. Do you... Like, I think it is your turn to roll for All a right. I rolled a 16. Ooh, a recipe book. Yes. So um, I don't know how we'll do that. But we're going to come up with something really cool mm-hmm. recipe-wise to talk to you all about. Do you want to each pick one? I think we should each pick one. And let's... Can we make it like a fandom-related recipe book instead of just like a standard... Yeah, that definitely sounds fun. And should we make the recipe to also share with each other? You have that down on the list, and we'll think about it. <laughs> we'll see you what happens You can pick in whatever life. you want to out of the book. I won't make you eat okay. something gross. <laughs> and then I'm going to roll up for a drink. 13. My 13 is a local craft beer. So we need to pick a recipe that goes well with beer. Absolutely. That's exciting. And my drink will be a 10. Your 10 is a Sprite. Ooh, so it needs to go well with beer and Sprite. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. Um, I actually have a fandom book that has a recipe using Sprite. Ooh. Mm, So that might be a possibility. Um, And speaking of local, I'm actually, in my my hard sweet tea, um, I added some frozen head vodka from brushy mountain distillery so what's up tennessee like tennessee doing all the way um have you been to the distillery since they opened it back up no i haven't either but i have a friend who did and they did like the whole grounds tour Mm -hmm. and and the part of the prison that you are allowed to tour oh that's cool and they said that it is one of the best experiences that they like this is someone that used to like illegally go to brushy mountain prison to do like ghost photography (laughs) so she was like it's really nice to be able to go here and not break any laws this time and get drunk that's awesome yeah definitely try that out Mm -hmm. that'll be a good um a good uh field trip for us yes all right y'all so uh, we had a fun off or a fun adventure here today at Adventure Seed Podcast. Uh, thank you for being with us. Uh, follow our quest, Adventure Seed Podcast, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and wherever you get your podcasts. Remember, if you have trouble searching for us on your favorite podcast site, just drop us a message on Facebook, and we'll be happy to send you a link. Because for some reason, some places don't search well for us. Yeah, or just use all three words, Adventure Seed Podcast. I know we keep sounding like a broken record on that, but for whatever reason, it hates us. (laughs) Although, if we're telling you all this now, that means you found us, so... That's true. (laughs) We'll just keep saying it for other people. (laughs) So, uh, may the dice always be in your favor. Roll well, guys.
get a rare view into the human side of wealth management leaders, innovators, and influencers with the Big Reveal podcast from Suzanne Syracuse in partnership with InvestNet. Tune in and subscribe to find out why she calls it the Big Reveal. Get a rare view into the human side of wealth management leaders, innovators, and influencers with the Big Reveal podcast from Suzanne Syracuse in partnership with InvestNet. Tune in and subscribe to find out why she calls it the Big Reveal.